Titus 2, verses 1 through 2, these are God's words. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Let the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. One of the things that we've been hearing the last uh, few weeks in the second half of Titus chapter 1 is, I guess it was just last week in verses 10 through 16, is that there are those in the church who are not called, gifted, ordained by the Lord Jesus to be theological teachers in the church who go around spouting their own theology, sometimes by idle talk, that is, that they don't realize that they are being insubordinate, they're just uh, giving their theological opinions um, in an idle sort of way, and sometimes uh, in a deceptive way, uh, they know that uh, they have not been made teachers in the church, but they want to give their opinions anyway, uh, and so it's more willful. Uh, in either case, however, harm is being done to the church because theology that is not from the scripture, as has been taught by Christ's servants, whom he uh, has appointed and called, errant theology has been taught in the church, and it results uh, in... Uh, failure to believe well in Jesus Christ, failure to receive the benefits uh, of that union with Christ through faith that the Spirit works out in us by right doctrine, uh, and He, uh, uh, and of course the Lord Jesus is our only hope, not just for forgiveness from sin's guilt, uh, but for battling against sin in its power and in its presence. Uh, and so one of the results uh, of failing to follow Christ's order in the church for teaching is that those who profess the Lord Jesus' name continue in and in ungodliness and even uh, decline uh, and uh, become more ungodly, which of course is a, a great blasphemy against the honor of the Lord Jesus that those who profess his name uh, would uh, function that way. And it really is soul-killing, discouraging uh, to the church that they would think that they have Christ, but that they would have a Christ who does not change them. Uh, and so you you end up blaspheming God and harming men. Um, part of the counter to this, then, of course, is that their mouths uh, would be stopped uh, by the proper elders, uh, as in chapter 1 and verse 11, uh, but not only are the elders required to stop the mouths of those who aren't teachers in the church, the elders are to open their own mouths as those who are called to be teachers in the church. Uh, those whom the Lord has has called now to the, to the office of pastor-teacher are not allowed uh, to be non-doctrinal or non-verbal any more than an apostle or prophet or evangelist. Uh, could uh, were permitted by the Lord Jesus uh, to be non-doctrinal or non-verbal. You remember in Ephesians 4 when it's describing God's plan for the theological stabilization and equipping of his people. It says, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts among men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor-teachers. And so 
uh, just as it, it, it would be ridiculous to say, do the work of an apostle at all times, and if necessary, use words, or do the work of a prophet at all times, and if necessary, use words, or do the work of an evangelist at all times, and if necessary, use words. So also, it is an utter folly to say, do the work of a pastor or an elder at all times, and if necessary, use words. The, the office of authority in spiritual things in Christ's church is a teaching office. And this is one reason we're not surprised that in times of spiritual decline, you get attitudes in many churches uh, that are against teaching, that are against <laughs> preaching, or if there is teaching and preaching, that are against doctrinal teaching and preaching, or if there is doctrine, that are against dogmatic doctrine, where the doctrine is held to with conviction and the truthfulness of one right interpretation of the Bible is maintained. In spiritually, in times of spiritual decline, you get opposition to these things. Because speaking sound words is required. It is of the Lord Jesus. And so the apostle now comes to Titus and he says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. There's two things that are being said here. One is he has to teach sound doctrine. But the other thing is, not only does he have to teach the sound doctrine over against uh, the false talk, the errors, that were being taught by others, and instead of the errors that were being taught by others, but he must not leave the doctrine abstract. He must also tell the people the difference that it makes in life, the way of living that is appropriate to sound doctrine. Now, Lord willing, in a few weeks' time, uh, we're <coughs> going. To, now, Lord willing, in a few weeks' time, we are going to hear a profession of faith in the public worship. And as that profession of faith is being made, there are going to be some vows, um, some holy promises before God. And one of the vows that will be taken, and one of the vows that will be taken is that they promise to live in a manner that is becoming the followers of Jesus Christ, or is appropriate to the followers of Jesus Christ. Well, that it is required of elders that they teach Christ's people how to live in a way that is consistent with Christ's doctrine. That they teach Christ's people the difference that right thinking should make in right feeling, right desiring, right speaking, right living. And so it is required of the elder that he teach, it is required that he teach sound doctrine, and it is required that he teach proper living, proper application of that doctrine to the life. Now, the first ones that uh, the apostle tells Titus, and by implication the other elders that Titus is appointing, the first ones that he tells him to address are the older men. He tells him to start with the older men. Now, the word that is used for older men is actually similar in root uh, to the word that is used for the office of elder. So the uh, the office of elder, we would uh, say uh, maybe elder-ish, and the word that is used here, we might say elderly. And you can kind of hear the relationship of the words. It's not That's not the relationship of the sounds in Greek at all. 
uh, but you can hear the relationship of the words. That whereas it is a particular work of grace that God does in someone when he is making him an elder in his church, all of the older men of the church should be making similar progress. That there is a work of God's grace in someone over time that matures them in faith. And the church, rather than looking at those who are babies, and maybe they have an attractive energy, uh, and thankfulness, and eagerness, and zeal, that uh, without losing love uh, for the Lord, uh, yet those who are either young just in years, or even young in faith, are not the ones who are the models for the rest of the congregation of what it looks like when the Lord has been at work in someone for a long time. That there is a maturing and a seasoning that takes place over time. And that the church is meant then to have, especially these older men, who are taught to live in a way that is consistent with sound doctrine. Well, what is it? What is that way of living that is consistent with sound doctrine? Well, first we read that it is, in verse 2 that it is sober. Uh, a man who does not indulge his senses, his tastes and habits. He is not living for the pleasures of the body. He lives for the deeper and lasting and steady joy of the Lord. And it is in such a man that we see that the joy of the Lord is something that is steady. It does, it, it isn't something that is marked by these frenzied up and downs. In a church culture in which youth is idolized, you can see even in worship styles, even in worship song style, but even in the particular life of the Christian, uh, how these kind of frenetic ups that cannot be sustained and so are matched also by downs. And so you have this kind of high amplitude spiritual experience wave that people live by. No. The the work of the Lord and, and the joy of the Lord himself is something that is strong and steady and sustained. Now, this is something that only comes with the maturing grace of the Holy Spirit, applying Christ more and more to us and maturity. And so the, the steadiness of the joy of the Lord should be something that is observable in the older people in the church. Paul gives Titus advice that is almost exactly opposite. What you hear for some people, they say, well, when you're looking for revival and reformation in the church, focus on the young. And now Paul is writing to Titus and he says, your church needs reformation terribly, so you need to focus on the elderly. And so we must go with God's wisdom and not man's. And the first thing he says to aim at an application of sound doctrine is the sober, steady life that finds pleasure not in earthly things that are up and down, whether uh, material things or even earthly emotional, uh, superficial things, but pleasure in that which is eternal and substantial of the Lord himself. Uh, and so it's not surprising that on the back of sober... You have reverent and temperate. Uh, reverent, that would conduct themselves in a way that is worthy uh, of respecting and imitating, that they would be dignified in their conduct. 
not the immaturity of uh, one-upping and uh, jabbing back and forth in conversation. You know, not sarcastic people who are always trying to be funny um, in a way that will often uh, uh, draw attention to oneself. Uh, but uh, uh, living and speaking and conducting in a way that, first of all, uh, doesn't just find pleasure in God, but honors God in all that they do. And so their interaction with others is also very honoring. This is the dignified and noble and reverent way of interacting with others. Uh, when we honor others, they find us to be honorable. Why? Because proper honoring of others is an identifying of them as made in the image of God. And so there should be this uh, this dynamic in our interaction with others uh, that um, that we handle people with the most care and the most respect of all of God's creatures. For they are made in the image of God and then especially believers uh, are joined to the Lord Jesus Christ and to be treated as of a worth that the rest of creation uh, cannot compare to. And somebody who um, treats others with with that sort, uh, especially the Lord first, and then others, and especially believers, uh, with that sort of reverence, they themselves will be dignified and will be worthy of respect and will be worthy of imitation. And so sober, reverent, temperate, uh, again, the the idea of someone who uh, is therefore stable, as we have said. And then they're to be sound. They're to be sound in three things. The first is sound in faith. This corresponds to the sound doctrine. It belongs to the teachers of the church that they hold to the correct doctrine as they teach it. And they get there by, uh, remember in verse 9 of chapter 1, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able to exhort, etc. So the older men in the church should be emulating that. Whereas the, the teachers, the elders, the elderish, uh, hold to sound doctrine as they teach it. The elderly should be an example to the rest of the church as of holding to sound doctrine as they are taught. So that when you look at the older men in the church, what you see are the ones who, um, in our particular case, have no qualms at all with the Westminster standards. Uh, you ask them or talk to them about a spiritual thing or theological thing, and they repeat what they have been taught. They, they are sound in the faith. And so they may repeat to you, a line from the confession, or an answer from the catechism, and immediately give you half a dozen Bible examples of how the thing that we are taught and the thing that we as a church confess about this particular point of doctrine is so obviously what the whole Bible teaches. You may end up uh, with a man who, you know, in God's providence, you know, various, uh, for whatever other reason, he is not an elder in the church. But by God's minister to him as one of the elderly in the church, 
uh, he holds rightly, soundly uh, to what has been taught. He believes it. Uh, not just sound uh, then in his faith, no holes or weaknesses uh, in the accuracy of his doctrine, but also sound in his love. Uh, his love for God and for neighbor and for brother are is healthy and strong. Uh, such, a, such a love goes uh, beyond the surface. It isn't mere feelings. Uh, such a love is consistent all the way through. And so it isn't either mere actions, but the whole is consistent and, and homogeneous. He feels love towards God, and he acts in a proper and obedient way to the God that he loves. He feels love towards his brother, and he is uh, kind and tender-hearted and forgives his brother and sets his brother's needs ahead of himself. And so there is both the warmth of the affection and the strength of the action. The love is sound. There aren't gaps or weaknesses in it. Uh, and then also sound in patience. Uh, one of the things that age does to us, especially when the body starts breaking down, is it gives us opportunity to experience and exercise patience. <laughs> And it needs to be sound patience, patience that is is true and healthy all the way through, not the patience of fatalism in which they just kind of give up and say, well, people are going to be what they're going to be, things are going to be what things are going to be, and not the patience of stubbornness, which is I'm going to stick to my way of thinking and my way of doing no matter what happens, but a patience that is built upon cheerful hope, a sound patience, patience that is consistent and that is consistent for the right reason, like we were hearing in uh, Romans eight twenty three through 25, the eager expectation where we wait with eagerness and perseverance because we are sure of that uh, for which the Lord has saved us, that which is certain to come in God's salvation, a sound patience. And so you have, really, don't you hear, another one of these faith, hope, and love triads. Uh, but the, the specific aspect of it that should be evident in the elderly in the church, and that when we think of the godly elderly in our church, for instance, that you can see in them to some extent, and that becomes a model for us, uh, is that the faith, hope, and love would be sound faith, sound love, sound hope, that it would be stable, that it would be whole, that it would be healthy, knowing that there are things that appear to be faith and appear to be love and appear to be hope, but are not sound and strong and stable and mature. And so... One of Titus's goals and his elders' goals as they were reforming the church in Crete was that they would instruct especially, first of all, the older men that by God's blessing on his teaching and producing in them the fruit of that teaching, these older men would be an example of sober and reverent and temperate and sound Christianity. The Lord, give us to value maturity. The Lord, bless 
the teaching of our church, especially to the elderly, that they would be an example of maturity. Uh, and the Lord grow us and season us and make us mature as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this portion of your word. We thank you, particularly in our own season of life, in, the own, in our own season in the life of your church, that you have given us something to act as a, a corrective to some of the errors of our age and the errors of our flesh. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, help those whom you have called and appointed to be teachers in your church that we would teach in a right way, that those who are uh, older in age would also become mature in faith and be examples to the rest of, uh, rest of the congregation. Grant, Lord, that it would be so, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.